The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, we have teamed up with Leia Healthcare to explore well-being in the workplace. And today we're talking to Dr. Brian Penny in that regard. Brian is a neuroscientist and resilience specialist. Uh, Brian, it's good to see you. Thanks a million. Good to be here. Um, so, I mean, you have had a, a tough journey for people who don't know us to get to the position you are in today. Um, remind us of that journey. So, yeah, so me, me journey of addiction, I spent uh, a lot of time, my, er, my earlier life was uh, full of trauma, lots of trauma in my life. Um, I won't go into the, the details. It was an operation without a general anaesthetic, let's say, pre-1985, or a medical practice that didn't really uh, serve, serve me or anyone else that went through it. And really on the back of that, it created a sense of pain and a lack of safety in my own body, basically. I grew up with a phobic fear of my heartbeat, breath and pulse, lots of anxiety, lots of panic attacks. And I really struggled as a kid. And I, I, I often say I never got the anaesthetic I needed as a baby, but I found my own anaesthetic when I was 16 years of age in the shape of heroin. And that really just set the stall out for me for the next 20 years Addicted to heroin, 15 years, chronically addicted to heroin before I found a, found a shift in perspective in 2013. How did you find that shift in perspective? Near-death experience is the, is the reality of it. So, um, I, I, as I said, chronically addicted for all of those years and I, I was functional for a lot of that time as well. But when I lost my job in 2013, I was €50,000 in debt. I had lost all of the important relationships in my life. Everyone mm. had to pull back. And really, um, I was like a rat trapped in a corner. I had nowhere to run. And I fundamentally believed that I could never live without drugs because that was my coping mechanism for anxiety. And I says, I'm going to try to get clean and maybe do it better, smarter next time. Just take the right amount of drugs. That was the that was the idea I had in my head. Okay. But I had what's called a grand mal convulsive seizure that just completely trashed my world. I, 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 I split my tongue in half from the seizure, from the convulsion biting down on my tongue. I thought I was brain damaged from that seizure. And through that, Believing I was brain damaged, um, there was a moment of surrender where I believed I can't fight this anymore. And it was that moment of surrender of letting go that just gave me this sort of this shift in perspective. It's very hard to describe. I wish mm. I could bottle it and give it to other people. But something just shifted and I was like, like I was looking at the world through a completely different lens. And basically on the back of that, an energy, a passion, a drive, this crazy tourist to learn about the human mind came into my life and that was over 10 years ago and I haven't really looked back since. And w- was it that thirst for the for, for, for information and for knowledge that it, it, it replaced the need for heroin or, or like you know how did how did how did how did I understand where where that came from but how did that make the need for heroin disappear? Yeah, it's really interesting because it nearly looks like a switched addictions. And for, yeah. for want of a better word, like we say Usain Bolt, is he, was he addicted to running? Well, he was obsessed with running. So it's really a language game we play with that as well. But there's a core element, that I think, that is really, really important here. Like when we talk about addiction, what drives addiction? It's usually some kind of fundamental pain or trauma that yeah. drives. There's a reason to escape it. And on the back of that, there's these unmet needs. My unmet needs was connection. I had no connection in my life. I was lonely. I was disconnected from myself because I numbed those emotions with drugs. 
Um, another one was that I I, I, I like to learn. I, I'm a big learner. I'm curious about life. But when I was in the depths of addiction, I didn't have that. And I was also invisible. I wasn't seen. I wasn't heard by anybody because addiction was keeping me trapped in that hole. So when I found recovery, initially it was this want to learn about the human mind, why I was so broken, why I suddenly felt this burst of energy for life. Mm. And so I went and studied psychology and I went back to college. But all of a sudden, then I start finding connection in my life and I start putting my story out there and I became visible. So I start fulfilling those unfulfilled needs. And I think that's really the crux. That's the core element of, of yeah. my own successful recovery. So, but the way you describe it, I mean, lacking connection and lacking a connection yourself and feeling like you were in a hole, that, that was at the point of kind of, of pretty severe addiction would you in hindsight describe yourself the same way when you started to use heroin like is that why you started to use it yeah it's interesting you say that because I I would have been just uh, struggling with anxiety it would have been a lot of anxiety so I was still disconnected with myself because Fundamentally, I was afraid of my own body. My my anxiety manifested itself in bodily agitations and I didn't want to be there. I nearly disassociated myself from bodily sensations because they felt so uncomfortable. So I found it difficult to connect with my body. I was very disconnected from, from my body and the feelings that I had. But in line with what you're saying there as well, I, th- I think anybody is disconnected to, an, to, to yeah. an extent, like even with lighter, I wouldn't say lighter addictions, but addictions that don't look so severe. And there's a great line by a guy called Johan Harry, he's a journalist in uh, in England, and he says that sobriety is not the opposite of addiction, connection is. And I love that. Did it work in terms of the anxiety, the heroin? Yeah, it did. That's the, It worked at the, at the, at the start. Yeah. It, it worked 10 times over because not only did it make, take the anxiety away, it gave me a sense of numbness, a sense of safety. It took... It took all of the pain away and then give you that, that euphoric uh, euphoric feelings as well. It took me to heaven, but then uh, it quickly took me to hell as, uh, yeah. as as it does for many people. You said one thing in the middle of all that about um, your use of heroin. You described yourself as kind of being a functional heroin user and that you had a job for a long time. And it kind of brings us back to this layer workplace and well-being index. Because I was a little surprised actually that in terms of the key trends for the year, mm. that substance abuse struggles was came in at number three. The numbers of them have doubled, you know, and it's in there amongst things you would expect about maybe anxiety and job satisfaction and, you know, flexible working hours are in there. I mean, that, it kind of stands out almost as an anomaly. You don't, you don't expect to read it in a workplace survey. And maybe it's, maybe that's my naivety that I, I, I don't, I don't expect any of my colleagues to be functioning drug addicts, but they might be. Yeah, and uh, do you know what? I think it's the last big stigma in the workplace. Like, we're finally starting to talk about mental health struggles and stuff like that, but I think addiction is still a bit of a struggle for people to talk about. But obviously with those statistics, obviously they're anonymous statistics as well, but I think people are starting to talk about that because we're starting to recognise that addiction isn't some moral failure. It's not some choice. It's an element of choice, obviously, too, as well. But at its core, it's something else is driving the behaviour. It's a symptom of an underlying pain. And I think people are coming out and speaking about it a little bit more. But what scares me with those statistics is that it doubled in the last year mm. as a result of anxiety and mental health challenges. So I'm sure that's a an artefact of COVID and I'm sure people are finding different ways to, to, to cope, but maladaptive ways to cope with their challenges. And again, just kind of I, we could talk about this all day and I'd love to have you back in to talk about it again um, some of it but 
you know, for people listening to this, and maybe this doesn't describe themselves, but it describes someone they know or someone they work with. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky one. I mean, how do you deal with it? Every talk I have, no matter what the topic, I get someone coming to me and asking, how can I help this loved one that I have? It could be a, 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 their kid, it could be their partner. How can I help them with addiction? So many people are touched with addiction, especially in Ireland. We all know someone with a family member with addiction. And the reality is that we can't change or control other people. We can only impact our own actions and what I would say to loved ones is this is what I say to them like stop trying to fix and tell people what to do because you're going to tell them to stop taking drugs that's mm. like taking their shield of armour away that's their coping mechanism they're not going to listen they're going to get further away so try to listen try to get your own house in order and become the person that they might want to be so you're in a position to even tell them that to give them advice Yeah, because that's what I found it was only when I got my house in order that people actually uh, came looking for me f for advice because I often get some people coming to me and they'd be saying, how can I make so-and-so do this and get better? And I'd be looking at them and say, well, God, you're a ball of stress and anxiety. I wouldn't be listening to you for advice either. <laughs> yeah. You've got to get yeah. your own house in order first so you can be there to listen to people that are really struggling because there's no magic wand and that's the beast of addiction, which is very, very sad. The Leia Healthcare Workplace Wellbeing Index is available if people want to read more about it. LeahHealthcare.ie forward slash well-being index. Uh, Brian Penny, Dr. Brian Penny, neuroscientist and resilience specialist. Brian, thanks a million for joining yep, us. Thanks for having me. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.